Amen? Amen. So let's, in, in our Mother's Day, we're constantly reminded of God. In that video, I'm reminded of how God's patience with us, God's endurance with us. And how many times does God repeat things to us? Just like our moms. And so we're grateful for that. Did you wake up this morning feeling like you woke up in Florida? I thought I was going to see an alligator outside my house or something. I walked outside and it's like I walked into, I'm like, whoa, this ain't right. Well, thank you for being here. Uh, for all of you that have checked the thermostat, it's working. It's just really humid, okay? But uh, thank you for being here. This is the kind of condition that uh, fruit grows in, right? Hot and humid. So we're just getting the full experience, right? The, there we go. Yeah, I got to flip it there. We've been going through a series called Fruit That Lasts. Fruit That Lasts. We're, start, we're going through that this month. And last week, we talked about a particular aspect of why it matters, why it matters that we bear fruit. Do you remember where we started last week? We bear fruit because we are chosen. We are chosen. Today we're going to keep talking about what it means to bear fruit for God. And today's lesson is called a bountiful life. Okay? You know, God has chosen us to bear fruit. But fruit doesn't come from focusing on some end goal of results. Right? Does this sound familiar from last week? Hopefully. It comes from placing one's identity securely in the Messiah. Fruit, as the Bible defines, is the byproduct on the journey of transformation. It's what happens, naturally occurs, when you trust in God and become more like him. Amen? So we've been chosen to bear fruit. That's what John 15 from last week is all about. We've been chosen to bear fruit. We can know that our identity is secured, and we don't have to live life searching for meaning. Do you guys feel that? Have you been there? Are you there now? Feeling like you have to search and find out what your meaning is, what your purpose is, where you belong. We are his. We are loved, and we are chosen. It's from that place we can start to change, becoming more like God in our hearts as we live as chosen people with secure identity. We begin to see and act from a position of love, joy, peace, patience. Are you doing it with me now? Kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Did anybody else were you forced to dress up as a different fruit and sing that song in Sunday school growing up? Yeah, I was, I was the banana. I was the banana. I, don't, I, I remember that. I don't remember what fruit of the Spirit it was. But. <laughs> but this is the fruit of the Spirit, yeah? But did you know there's even more fruit to the fruit? That's the part where Jesus said in John 15 to bear fruit that lasts. So this this the lasting part. This is the remaining part of the fruit, and it's called a bountiful life. God chose us to bear fruit that lasts, not bear fruit that stays good for one day and then it's rotten and moldy. Okay, I'm not going to say the name of the grocery store I go to because I don't want to get a letter to the church saying, hey, that's like, whatever, you can't say that. But I go to a grocery store and I get produce from there. And like the next day, it's like already like overripe. 
I'm like, my bananas were green two days ago, and now they're like, how is this, what's happening here? Jesus calls us to bear fruit that lasts, has a lasting impact. Fruit that gives a bountiful life. Turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 10. I'll kind of move this. John, chapter 10. And I'm going to start in verse 9. I'm just going to read 9 and 10 for us this morning. And I'm reading from the CSB. So if it sounds a little different than what you got, that's all right. It says, I, Jesus says, I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come so they may have life and have it in abundance. Jesus says he came so that we can have life in abundance. Now your virgins might say other things. Life to the full. We've heard that. Life till it opens. Life in its fullest measure. A rich and satisfying life. Raise your hand right now if that does not sound good to you. No, this is like a universal human being thing. We all want this. And just look out there. Go on TikTok. Go on social media. Go into your neighborhood. Go to your wherever. Everyone is searching for life in abundance. Everyone is searching for life to the full. And they're searching and searching and have been for thousands of years in millions of different ways. Jesus said he came here to show us how to have that. Do you want to have that? Do you really want to have that? God has already, has, um, excuse me, not already, but always, God's always been concerned with a bountiful life for human beings and for all of creation. Always. Always. That's God's his original intent. What was, what was the original commission to mankind? Bear fruit and multiply. God's wish for you and me has always been to have life that just overflows and it oozes out and it spreads elsewhere and other people get to experience that and it just keeps overflowing. That's God's vision for us. This isn't new conversation. If you've been to the Wichita Church of Christ before, this is like our speak. This is like our language. This is what we talk about. Um, you you might have heard it called flourishing life. I think we talked about that. Maybe it's been a couple years, but flourishing life. Um, there's a couple guys out of Yale Divinity School, Miroslav Volf, Michael Krosman. They wrote a book about this. They call it flourishing life. <clears throat> and I got a quote I want to share with you. Okay? So just do what you need to do. Close your eyes, listen, whatever. But they say sometimes visions of flourishing are like vivid images we are able to see and describe, but more often, they're like a lens through which we see everything. The tacit background, <clears throat> the tacit background against which we live our lives. It is our human responsibility to reflect on their function, origin, continent, and exit. I'm sorry, content. Autocorrect. Sorry, it says continent. Content. Existential or intellectual adequacy because 
They define our world and our very selves. Did you hear that? Our vision of flourishing life defines ourselves and how we see the world. We can switch from one vision to another, but if we do so in reality, not just in imagination, we become a new person. We come to experience ourselves and our world in a different way, and our life takes a turn. Have you experienced that? Have you taken the image of flourishing life that God shares and made it a reality and experienced what that means to be a new person? Beyond a cool t-shirt for a Christian or a bumper sticker? New creation. What does that mean? It means you see God, you see the world, and you see yourself in a new way. And in the process, that brings new life, flourishing life. This is not some just mental thing or existential thing. This is a reality thing. So let's get this straight. If that was a little confusing, by securing your identity in God, you can start to experience heart transformation that produces fruit, God's fruit in your life, which then allows you to experience a flourishing, bountiful kind of life, which then opens you up to more transformation, which then opens you up to experience levels of flourishing life. Do you see how this goes? It goes it's layers, man. It goes and it goes. Our vision of what bountiful life means matters. This is not something we often talk about when we hang out with one another. It's not something that I've seen built into any curriculum in school or wherever. It's not something the world necessarily values. but the way you view bountiful life matters. How do you envision bountiful life? What does that look like for you? To some of us, that means a fully stocked pantry. I got a bountiful life. It means a little cushion in the bank account. You got your Dave Ramsey's uh, emergency fund saved up, three to six months, right? That's, okay, now I got a bountiful life. Maybe it's the absence of conflict or tension in your life, in your household. Okay, now my life is bountiful because I don't, I don't have any tension. Maybe it's easy relationships. Maybe that's how you view what bountiful life means. Maybe it's good fortune. Maybe it's having a fully furnished house in the burbs. Maybe it's winning the lottery. I know, right? Yeah, I've had too many daydreams about that. Maybe it's Investing in your child so they can become successful, whatever successful may mean, and we can go on. How do you honestly define bountiful life? We often view bountiful life with abounding resources, all within reach, at desire, as we desire. Having what we think we need all the time. Well, guess what? We live in a time and a place where, for the most part, a lot of us get to experience that. We have everything we really could ever want within like arm's reach all the time. Is bountiful life here for the world? Has it been brought through that? Information, communication in the, in the, in the blink of an eye? Is bountiful life here? Grocery store fully stocked. Walmart has everything you could ever need for your whole life. I'm pretty sure, I'm certain. 
like, I don't know, I could break my leg and like pretty soon there's gonna be like Walmart doctor's offices, I'm convinced. <laughs> I got an ad, they're like, hey, we have a service, we will buy your groceries for you, take them into your house and put them away in your refrigerator for you. I'm not making this up. Yeah. <laughs> Man, how, how much better could it get? Bounty on bounty, right? Flir <laughs> Today we're gonna ask God, what is the bountiful life he desires for us? What does that mean? We're breaking this down. No more quips. Hey, let's have life to the full. Yeah, what does that mean? Turn to um, Psalm 1 with me, if you don't mind. Psalm chapter 1. There's two verses we're going to read in succession. Psalm 1 and then another reading from Jeremiah 17. I don't know if you want to do your thing. Have them on tab. I can't promise I'm going to read slow enough for you to flip there. <clears throat> but Psalm 1, starting in verse 1, says, How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked, or stand in a pathway with sinners, or eat in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Now come with me to Jeremiah 17, right. <clears throat> and I'm going to read 5 through 8, and I'm going to read this one from NIV. I like the NIV a little better in this. Hot take, I know, going back to the NIV. Sorry, that was a little bit too nerdy of a joke. All right, this is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when he comes. Is that relevant right now or what? Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruits. God's telling us something here. Church, God is telling us something here, if we have ears. Both passages present a comparison. One, the person who trusts in the way of human wisdom and power. Did you pick up on that in both? And then two, the one who trusts in the way of God's wisdom and power. We see that in both passages. So, today, I bet you didn't think this, waking up this morning, today we're going to learn a little biblical botany. Ah, oh, yeah, here we go. We started with the palm over here on Good Friday, and we're just growing, okay? Biblical botany. Just, just as the best teachings today to something concrete in our lives and culture that we understand, right? That's what makes a good teacher today is they're able to make it relevant for you. What would you know? That's, that, that's exactly what happens in the Bible. When they teach or speak on things, they're pointing to stuff that the original readers of the Bible, they would have, like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I know what they're referencing. I know what they got. They don't even have to tell you straight up because you just get it. 
right? If I say, I'll be back, like, all of you know who am I referencing and what movie, and some of you know what year that came out, and could tell me the director and all this stuff, right? You get my point? So there's a whole world of references in the Bible that we, we can't just understand unless we jump into their world. So let's jump into their world. Um, Mr. Sims, can we go to the... Yes. Thank you, sir. There are two kinds of plants that the hearers of these passages surely would have thought of when they were dwelling on them. One is called the arar bush, and one is called the acacia tree. What's up here is the arar bush. Now listen to this, okay? You guys into plants? Like botany, is this cool? Well, I will take my time then. All right. (laughs) I'm glad I wear my glasses. I can do the, okay. This bush grows in the desert, and it appears very lush, right? I mean, just check it out. Like, look at those leaves. It grows really quick, and it grows beautifully. It produces large green leaves. It gives one the idea of health and prosperity, right? I mean, that's a good sign. Imagine walking through the desert. You're parched. You're in need of some shade. You come across this bush. You just might think, I'm saved. I bet, I bet, there's, I bet, there's, I bet there's something there for me to drink or eat. As you approach the arar bush, you find on it hanging large green pods, which is its fruit. It's plump, and it's very attractive, and it's something you can see as you get up to it. You're like, oh, man, this is going to be good. You know what I mean? Clearly a sign of vitality, correct? You guys know me too well. (laughs) You're like, yeah, okay. But (laughs) when you take one and open it, you'll find nothing inside but air and dust. And the plumpness that was there was just air. And And what's inside is just this dry strands. There's no fruit there, and there's no water, there's no goodness, and you're just, bummer, dude. It's even said among the people who live in the desert, the Bedouins, that the milky substance in this fruit is actually poisonous. It could kill you. And they'll put it on anyways. Yeah, it's poisonous. Our bush, it lays in the desert. It sucks in whatever moisture is there away from other plants for itself, and then it bears nothing in return to give back. <clears throat> this is likely the bush in the wastelands described in Jeremiah 17. The person who trusts in man may bear fruit that looks to be full of life, but when, but when exposed, it is in fact empty and void of life. When it comes to your perception about what bountiful life looks like, what are you looking for? What are you looking for? Are you looking for outward signs like, oh, man, that looks really attractive. That looks really good. Now catch this. Uh, Mr. Sims, can we go to the next slide, please? The acacia tree. This tree grows in dry places, often in groves, near these kind of floodways, they're called wadis, these floodways that are mostly dry except when a a heavy rain occurs and it creates these like streams through the desert. Yeah? Okay, yeah. Um, If you've seen Prince of Egypt, they actually have one in Prince of Egypt, it's kind of cool. Yeah, anyways. Um, But looking at the acacia, what do you think, looking at it? (laughs) You might think this tree's struggling to survive. You're like, yeah, let's just it down, it's done. It doesn't exactly look very lush or green, 
doesn't have large fruit dangling from its branches, but these trees are resilient and patient trees. Acacias will wait for on what we saw in Psalm 1. It says flowing streams. Literally, it means rushing waters that would come through these floodplains. It waits for flowing streams, and then it just springs back into action, grows new leaves, they turn green, and it can just pop into action like that. These trees grow slowly, and they live long lives. Their fruit is born in season, and it can be eaten, it can be boiled, and camels can live off of this mixture for long periods of time. The sap from the acacia tree um, is used by the Bedouins for medicinal purposes. And lastly, the wood is some of the strongest wood around. Anyone a worker? Okay, acacia wood, really good wood to use. It's really hard wood, really, really sturdy. And it's some of the only real firewood in the desert. The acacia will sometimes, it can lay dormant for 7 to 12 years without water, waiting for water. And when that water comes, it will still be able to activate and bear fruit. And its fruit brings life to the ecosystem around it, the wildlife and humans alike. Without this tree, survival in the des this area of the desert would probably be unlikely. This is likely the tree of Psalm 1 in Jeremiah 17, planted by streams of water, and it has no worries in years of drought. The person who trusts in God may look a bit off by worldly standards of abundance or bounty. Amen. We should look a little bit off. How does that sit with you? Because they know, the acacia tree knows, the person who trusts in God knows there's always enough. There is always enough. Therefore, their fruit grows in due time to provide a bountiful life, not just for itself, but for those around them as well. Does your idea of what a bountiful life should look like, does it resemble the arar bush or the acacia tree? When you think about what it means to have a bountiful life for you, for your family, for your kids, spiritually, what does that look like to you? You have to be honest. We have to be honest. You have to break it down. Which one are you? We're asking ourselves what bountiful life means to God. Not how we define it, but what it means to God. In doing so, we have to come to terms with the notion that our default vision of bountiful life is drastically different from what God presents us in Scripture. God is not trying to rip you off from a fruitful, productive life. Rather, he's trying to change the way you view fruitfulness and productiveness. He's wanting you to have the best kind of life. He's wanting you to experience that. So maybe the bountiful life isn't about hustle. Maybe it's not about rapid growth. Maybe it's not about big, attractive fruit. But instead, maybe it's about slowing down. Maybe it's about simplicity. 
Maybe it's about patience. Maybe it's all always been about trusting in God. We have got to stop. We have got to stop. Stop. Whatever your hustle has been, your spiritual move to, to, to go there, to, to be, show everyone how, how, how healthy you are. We gotta, whatever, whatever you've been entangled in, stop for a moment. We've got to reflect on a few things. Do, I'm going to say I, because this is, this is for all of us, this is for me too, but you think this with you, not Ethan, right? Do I trust God enough to grow slowly? I think we're kind of having a reckoning with that. Do I trust God enough to grow slowly? Am I afraid of missing out? That fear of missing out. Oh, man. It is everywhere. Am I afraid of missing out? Well, that tree's green. That tree's bearing fruit. So I must be, right? We must be. But over there, they're doing this. So come on, we got to go bear fruit. Do I focus more on outward appearances of other people? What was the whole thing God said? On selecting the next king after Saul, I don't look at the outer things. I look at the inner things. Man looks at the outside. God looks at the inside. Aren't we trying to be like God? Is that, is that, her, is that our whole deal? <laughs> is that what we're doing here? <laughs> How do I measure growth in myself and fellow disciples? Is it by production? Is it by checklists? Or is it by maturity and faithfulness? And the last one, just in case you haven't had enough questions to interrupt you. Just in, one more. How do I respond in times of spiritual drought? Do I get antsy and try to fix things? Do I draw near to God and wait for him? I bet some of us are wrestling right now. I wrestle with this. We're like, yeah, but you can't just sit there and do nothing. What does the acacia tree do? It just bees an acacia tree. Does it uproot itself and move? Does it look at the Arar bush and be like, man, I wish it was a little bit more like that Arar bush. Looks nice. Everyone's talking about that Arar bush. Mmm. No one's talking about me. God made you to be like an acacia tree. Don't be that acacia tree that looks at the Arar bush and starts to compare itself, starts to get jealous, starts to be afraid that they're missing out, that they're doing something wrong that you're not good enough. Let me say that one more time, that you're not good enough. That is not who you are. Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, thus by their fruit you will recognize them. So let's go back to the vineyard, yeah? Let's go back to John 15. 
where we started last week. John chapter 15. And I'm going to go to verse 16 and 17 here, okay? It says, you did not choose me. Jesus is talking. He's talking to his guys, to his people, guys and gals. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Does that not sound like God's commission to humanity in Genesis? Fruit that will last. So that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. We have, in fact, been chosen. We've been appointed to go and bear fruit that lasts. So whatever you ask part is about having bountiful life. It's about trusting in God's provision and timing. It's that part of the Lord's Prayer where we have to say that thing about give us today our daily bread. Because we know there is always going to be daily bread. It's that thing in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is like, you don't need to worry. You don't need to be anxious. Look how I clothe the flowers of the field. Look how I feed the birds of the air. Aren't you a little bit more important than them? Only once we've positioned ourselves from a place of secure identity and a worldview of bountiful life, then are we able to truly love each other? Has it been hard to love each other? Well, it was quiet, so I'm going to take that as a yes. Okay. It is hard to love each other. It's hard to love other people. It's hard to love other people. (laughs) Maybe our hold up, part of our hold up in being able to really love and sacrifice for others comes because we aren't secure in our identity of who God says we are, and we have a wrong view of bountiful life. How can you love people if you don't have that stuff straight? In an act of love and devotion as a community, we're going to take communion together now. And it's during this time and place where we remember that abundance is possible because Jesus is an example of trust in God and sacrifice for other people and the way he lived and the way he died and the way he lives through us. It's a reminder that God, the gardener, remember last week, God, the gardener, is in control and he will provide. As it said in Isaiah 60, they are the shoot I have planted, the work of my hands for the display of my splendor. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you so much for the way in which he speaks into our lives still. And God, we we come before you and we ask first off for forgiveness for the ways in which we've perpetuated false views of bountiful life and the damage that causes, the spiritual trauma that causes, and how that keeps us away from you. God, help us as your people to to figure that out, to wrestle through that, because that's our name. We wrestle. We wrestle with you. 
Help us to look at Jesus. Help us to understand his worldview. Help us to understand how he loved people. And help us to bring that into our reality today. To not talk about it, sing about it, think about it, wear shirts about it, but live it, God. Thank you so much for Jesus, God. We know you are with us. And we are so glad that you are the gardener and nobody else is. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. Uh, thank you, Ethan.
for that message. Um, I, I know 